I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to episode number 20 of Unformidable. I'm Rob Wolf, and here at Unformidable, we take a look at some of the less heralded or more obscure Mets in our beloved franchise's quirky history, as every player who dons the orange and blue is, in their own way, Unformidable. Speaking of quirky history, oh my god, the Mets are streaking. This is utterly delightful, unprecedented. Uh, my, my friend Rob Ward, friend of the show, but no friend of mine, no, really, he's a friend of mine, uh, texted me, I, I have no words, I have absolutely no words, and uh, which amused me, because then like hours later I saw that was kind of the, the deck for Chris McShane's article about Friday night's comeback win against the Nationals, he said, I am speechless, I am without speech, I, unfortunately here in podcasts we need to have speech, so... Uh, we'll have to go on and make up some words, but this is just delightful, and I, I just kind of love how, again, in our franchise's quirky history, some somehow as a fan base, I think we embrace more, uh, you know, I guess it's in our DNA, as they say, the improbable comebacks uh, and the improbable turns. It seems more natural to us than just dominating from start to finish, doesn't it? Uh, very exciting 
times to be a Met fan all of a sudden out of nowhere, and let's embrace it and enjoy it. It does remind me a little of 2015, although I don't think we were ever this far out of it in 2015, and I think I had more of a sense that that 2015 team could or should be competing if only we could get a minuscule amount of offense. Uh, I, I love watching this offense, and you know, it does feel like we're not out of games, which is exciting. So anyway, my point is, the Mets are streaking, and that put me in mind of streaks, and one of the many suggestions kindly sent in by people who have been generous enough to listen to this sh- put their time into listening to this show, um, is someone who, in their time as a Met, is primarily known for a streak. So the subject of today's Unformidable is Mike Vale. Mike Vale was originally drafted straight out of high school by the Los Angeles Dodgers in the 17th round of the 1970 draft. He declined signing with the Dodgers and chose to attend De Anza College. Uh, seven months later, as a freshman, the St. Louis Cardinals uh, selected him in the fourth round of the January 1971 secondary draft and signed him. I really need to have some of the minors guys on this podcast to uh, explain to me how the draft has changed since the 70s with uh, kids getting drafted as college freshmen and secondary drafts in January. Uh, I really I apologize. I need to do some research on this, uh, but I am fascinated reading it. Mike Vail put up uh, decent but not dramatic numbers in his first three years in the Cardinals farm system, you know, at age like 19, 20, 21. He hit 256 with 27 homers and 158 RBIs through those first three seasons. Uh, but in 1974, his fourth season in the organization, he kind of exploded, uh, dividing his time between Class A and Double A. He, if you add up the stats for that minor league season, he hit 334, uh, 15 homers, 76 RBIs, 898 OPS. Don't really know how he was regarded as a prospect, but in the 74 offseason, he was traded with Jack Heideman to the Mets for infielder Ted Martinez. Martinez and Heideman were both, you know, light-hitting defense-first utility infielders. Uh, I don't, I didn't see a statistical or dramatic age difference between them, so in the swap, the Mets picked up a decent, burgeoning 23-year-old prospect. So, Mike Vale was traded to the Mets. Now is the point in the podcast where we typically segue to Mike Vale's time as an unformidable New York Met. However, as a public service announcement, I must back up a bit. For it is with great pomp and circumstance that I bring you the information, in case you're not already aware of it, that in his time with the Gulf Coast Cardinals in 1971, Mike Vale was a minor league teammate of a young 18-year-old catcher named Randy Patho, who would someday better be known to us and the rest of the world as Randy Macho Man Savage. Vale did an interview with the WWE, or some, some magazine seems to be affiliated with them. I'm fortunately not into the wrestling anymore, but I was in the late 80s when Randy Savage was in his heyday. But in the interview... With the WWE, Vale described Pafo as a, quote, darn good little catcher. And Vale actually was right to be impressed uh, in, in the, again, in, with the Gulf Coast Cardinals in 1971, 
future major leaguer Mike Vale hit for a 620 OPS in 35 games, whereas Randy Poffo slashed 286, 420, 492 for a 912 OPS in the same amount of games. So, you know, could have could have gone in a very different direction, I guess. Uh, I'll briefly note that Poffo didn't get out of A ball by 1974 himself, which again actually wasn't that different than Vale's career path in the 70s. But uh, his his numbers definitely cratered in '74, uh, or perhaps he was just inspired by by the gods to to create the char- the wrestling character that he would become. But uh, Pafo got out of baseball in 1974, and perhaps that was for the best. I mean, he did show some promise as a prospect, but you know, he as a baseball player, he probably wouldn't have been iconic enough to. If uh, if we believe the good the good place can predict the future, he he probably as a baseball player would not have been iconic enough to someday have Jacksonville rename their airport Randy Macho Man Savage Non International Airport, uh, as as depicted in the Good Place, and as I hope someday will truly come to pass. So now that we've gotten the important business of future Met Mike Vale's connection with Randy Macho Man Savage out of the way. Let's get to Mike Vale's time as a New York Met. So in the 74 offseason, traded to the Mets, and he was assigned to AAA, where at age 23, if if anyone doubted his uh, seemingly smaller breakout in the minors the previous year, he doubled down. He slashed 342. His batting average was 342, uh, 396 on base percentage, 502 slugging, uh, it, which enabled him to earn the International League Player of the Year award in a season in which he would get called up to the Mets in mid-August and not even quite finish the year there. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So Vale gets called up to the big club in August of 1975, August 18th to be specific, or at least he made his debut on August 18th. Not sure when the procedural move was. So in the fifth inning of a game at the Houston Astrodome, Mike Vale made his major league debut as a pinch hitter. He uh, he faced Astros ace J.R. Richard, who you know I briefly remember seeing pitch as a young man and was incredibly dynamic and whose career was uh, tragically cut short by a stroke he suffered. I I don't remember if it was in a game or before a game. I'd have to look that up, but uh, it's one of my earlier baseball memories. He was just one of the most exciting pitchers I remember seeing as a young man. And uh, yeah, that was uh, 
just unfortunate that his career was cut short like that. Uh, Mike Vale uh, singled in that major league debut off of, you know, not not an easy task off of a fireballing ace like J.R. Richard. And <clears throat> although he went two for ten over his next three games, and then uh, on August 24th, he pinch hit again and walked, uh, Vale pretty much didn't stop hitting. Uh, that, that 824 pinch hit appearance with a walk was his last game without a hit for quite some time as Mike Vale would commence on a hitting streak that would match the National League rookie record of 23 games. The day after that pinch-hitting appearance, uh, the Mets traveled to San Diego, uh, I think August 25th. He, Mike Vale went 4-for-4 four four with two doubles, and yes, just kept on hitting. In the next 21 games, he at least one hit for a 22-game hitting streak that he brought to Shea on September 15th, and he extended it to 23 against Expo's ace Steve Rogers uh, with a sing- RBI single on the sixth inning, uh, extending the hitting streak to 23 games, which tied two Phillies, Joe Rapp and Richie Ashburn, for the longest hitting streak by a National League rookie, and that ball that he uh, hit off of Steve Rogers was sent immediately to Cooperstown. Interesting side note that I did not know, the next day, September 16th, Mike Vale actually got eight plate appearances to try to get the record to himself, get it to 24 games, as it took the Mets 18 innings to beat the Expos 4-3, but alas, Mike Vale went 0-7 with a walk in that game, bringing his very exciting hitting streak. Uh, I mean, it started four games into his career, three, four games into his career, which is pretty amazing time to go on such a streak, uh, ending it at 23 games. The hitting streak was actually a Met record at the time, which was eventually eclipsed first by Hubie Brooks in 84 with 24 games, which was matched by Mike Piazza, I think in 1999. And I totally forgot till I was researching this article, it was eclipsed by Moises Alou, in 2007. I must have blocked that out like a lot of the 2007 season, uh, but Alou hit in 30 straight games <clears throat> that season. As a National League rookie record, it was obliterated by Benito Santiago in 1987. He has a, I think it's 30, 34 game hitting streak, uh, which was uh, still a National League record, or, or at least um, a National League rookie record. At any rate, in 38 games in 1975, Vale hit 302, uh, put up an OPS of 759, which was good for an OPS plus of 115, and in only 38 games, put up 1.3 war for the Mets. So <clears throat> they clearly, and I guess rightly, you know, saw him as a future star. Seems a little Jeff McNeilish to me. You know, comes up late, shows incredible hitting ability. Uh, so I, I, I see the enthusiasm. So the Mets were sold, and in the offseason in 1975, they traded star right fielder Rusty Staub to the Tigers, primarily to make room for Vale. Uh, unfortunately, Mike Vale dislocated his foot in the offseason playing baseball, right, uh, basketball, excuse me, right before the season started, and he didn't play in 76 until mid-June, and he had an absolutely lost season that year. Uh, he had a 509 OPS, good for a 49 OPS plus. He had, he, because the season started late with injury and he s- struggled so badly, he only got in 53 games, uh, less played appearances than the previous season. 
he didn't hit a home run and uh yeah it was good for a negative 1.1 war over those 53 games so as exciting as that first little portion of a season was uh the 76 season was quite uh quite stunningly disappointing so the bloom was probably off the rose a little there and he struggled very early in 1977 then briefly flashed uh maybe not that briefly but he flashed his form again hitting 417 over a 22 game period uh starting on may 2nd uh, at one point he was actually leading the national league in average at with a 363 average uh near the middle of the season but he had an absolutely brutal stretch drive in August and September, uh, hitting under 200 in each month, and that brought his numbers in 77 down to a much more pedestrian uh, 262 average, 708 OPS, uh, 94 OPS plus, so a little below average. Also, zero for seven in caught in stolen base attempts. I mean, why keep trying? Uh, he he had what would actually wind up being a career high eight home runs that year, uh, you know. So again, started off uh, ha- had a nice little run, but you know between the previous season in '76 being incredibly disappointing and a pretty bad end to '77, uh, Vale was no longer seen as a future, you know, star or even key piece. And when he hit only 143 in spring training in 1978, the Mets promptly waived him. From there, Vale had mostly a journeyman career. Uh, he was picked up by the Cleveland Indians off of waivers, uh, where he spent very little time. His only uh, time in the American League uh, was a scant 14 games and 34 at-bats before he was traded to the Cubs on June 15th of 78. And he had a decent little decent run with the Cubs. He actually had his best overall seasons as a Cub, mostly on the short side of an outfield platoon, where he would, the right-handed half of the platoon, uh, in 179 plate appearances in 1979, he hit 335 with an 899 OPS and 134 OPS plus, uh, with the bat, absolutely his best season, you know, not... Not world-beating, but hey, he hit 335. Uh, still, well, back then that was very impressive. You know, Alex Bregman wouldn't be impressed, but uh, Jeff Jeff McNeil would be. But Vale was traded away from the Cubs after the 1980 offseason, and and from there it was pure journeyman mode. Uh, he was on. He spent time with the Cincinnati Reds, San Francisco Giants, Montreal Expos, and the Los Angeles Dodgers, and he retired after the 84 season in the, with the Dodgers, I, you know, in all of those seasons, uh, only in 82, uh, after he left the Cubs, only in 1982 with Cincinnati, did he record more than 100 plate appearances in a season. Um, and aside from, <clears throat> uh, you know, some decent numbers, primarily as a pinch hitter with the Expos in 83, he was primarily, you know, a sub-replacement level player, uh, generally recording somewhere from negative 0.4 to uh, positive 0.6 war, according to baseball reference, the the 0.6 with the Expos in 83. For his career, Vale appeared in 665 games, had 1,604 at-bats, 34 homers, 219 RBIs, and he slashed 279, 313, 400, uh, 713 OPS, 96 
OPS plus. So, you know, for that era, pretty average player. I do love three stolen bases and 17 caught stealings. I, I mean, you know, I love the stolen base. I, I miss it. But, you know, I, I suppose that's a place where modern baseball has really improved the judiciousness of when it's a good idea to run. They'll put up his best offensive numbers with the Cubs. You know, for the Mets, he appeared in 199 games, 626 plate appearances, 673 OPS, 89 OPS plus. For the Cubs, he appeared in 275 games, although almost the same amount of plate appearances, uh, 708, and more of a pinch hitter, platoon player than an everyday guy. Uh, but he hit 317 as a Cub with an 804 OPS and a 114 OPS plus. And while his best season by war actually was that uh, his very first season where he broke through at the Mets in 75, uh, 1.3 according to baseball reference, uh, that brutal 76 really brought him down. So he put up a 0.4 war according to baseball reference as a Met, uh, 2 as a Cub. Uh, but Vale really always, uh, you know, probably because of that the, the excitement of that debut I uh, really thought of himself as a Met, or at the least, I should say, he seemed to remember that time the most fondly on uh, in that same interview where he reminisced about the Macho Man. He also reminisced about coming from AAA, quote, like a little kid's dream to come to New York City. I, I tell people all the time, the first day I reported, Willie Mays was in the clubhouse, you know, as a boy. He grew up in San Jose. He grew up watching Mays and McCovey. Uh, and, you know, he said getting to New York with Willie Mays as a coach was unbelievable. And he further said, New York will always be my favorite town and team. I mean, why wouldn't it be? Good good taste, Mike Bell. Uh, he said, New York will always be my favorite town and team because I came up with the Mets. I came up here and was here for such a short time. I was planning to be on the team for quite longer, but I had that bad injury in the offseason. It's just mixed feelings. I guess I'm a little harder on myself than the fans are. Hey! That's nice. I always hear Met fans are so hard on people, but I guess we weren't so hard on Mike Vale. I guess sometimes that first love, that first flush, uh, when someone debuts with such a plum, it's uh, it's hard to let them go. And Mike Vale certainly uh, made quite the debut with the Mets with that 23-game hitting streak. And for that, Mike Vale is an unformidable New York Met. One final note I'll add, too, uh, that I always love to look at the similarity scores on Baseball Reference, and if you want a couple of unformidable names, uh, two of the ten most similar batters to Mike Vale in their careers, number five, Lestings Millage, number six, Timo Perez. So how's that for some fine Met references? Vale is 67 today, still, I believe, living in California, according to what I could read, but does appear at Met events, uh, signing and reliving Met memories, as we love to do here on this pod. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Unformidable. Please go to AmazonAvenue.com for more Mets-related content. Follow Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. How could you not want to follow the Mets and devour all the Met content you want these days? You can find this and all of our amazing pods wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, Please subscribe, leave a review, it really helps. Original music by Bunga. I'm on Twitter at Wolf, W-O-L-F-F-R-R, and the show is at Unformidable. Thank you, and let's fucking go Mets.